Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast. Today we're lucky enough to have Pastor Aaron Dowds share with us. Enjoy. I was always the daddy's girl, so we were always out on the sea and, you know, in boats, fishing, and just very suddenly in 94, uh, my dad just turned and started getting really ill, and I can remember him really progressively going downhill quite fast, and um, he was admitted to hospital, and within two weeks he died. We moved house. We it was like a fresh, a fresh slate, and sort of making new friends, and you know, being a rebellious teenager, <laughs> and that's kind of where I, I suppose I went off the rails. Then my suppressed anger and my kicking back, and God, if you're really there, why did you take my dad? Why did you do that? Like he was my world. Why did you do that? So I would have been 18 then and I went to uni and I studied environmental science, specialising in evolution and marine biology and earth science to prove that God didn't exist. I was offered a job in Zakynthos as a manager of a conservation project working with sea turtles. I had everything I wanted, my degree, dream job. I had good friends. I was living abroad off and on in a Greek island. I mean, come on, like that's stuff dreams are made of. But there was still something missing and I didn't know what that was. No matter what I could get my hands on, it never filled that void. Drugs, alcohol, prescription drugs, nothing numbed that emptiness. My disc slipped in my back and I started getting numbness down my leg and uh, in the middle of one of my shifts another disc slipped. Suddenly I was numb from my waist down and I was in agony like. So I flew home, I came home and seen a consultant and he told me that one disc slipped to the left and the one below went to the right and so my spinal cord was like an S. So that was for about a year, two, well, two years. I was like immobile, immobile, completely, um, completely numb. And then I had an operation and uh, that was like incredible. I'll never forget that, waking up and being able to feel my legs again, no pins and needles, like, oh my goodness me. Oh, the relief, <laughs> you know. Um, hard being 20, 21, 22 and being totally crippled like you know you feel like the wind's taken out of your lungs and uh, it's a horrible place to be in. After I had the operation then the, the symptoms of the other diseases started to manifest and I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, fibromyalgia and Sjogren's syndrome which is a disease where your immune system recognises your um, all your fluid glands as an enemy, so it'll attack it. So I had no fluid in my joints, so it was like bones on bones. And I had another disease where my bones would like pop out and disconnect all the time. So I would be changing gears and my shoulder would come out or even the clutch and my hip would go and just a constant, absolute agony. And I was on 29 prescribed tablets a day, 29 at 22 years old. This is dreadful. What am I going to do with my life? I can't even move, can't walk, I'm in crutches. 
I had metal supports up my wrists, holding my wrists together. They were strapped together and uh, permanently had uh, supports on my knees, even my ankles. I had one for my shoulder. I was over in Cambridge and I got this phone call from the university alumni and you know she was like what are you doing with your degree and you know, your usual thing like and I just poured my whole heart out to this poor girl like told her my whole story and everything I've struggled with everything I've walked through I mean I broke down on the phone to this girl and then afterwards was like I'm so sorry I have no idea why I've just told you all this I'm so sorry and she said oh it's fine and I hung up the phone and one of those eerie like looking at your phone you know what just happened and my phone started ringing again and the girl phoned me back and she said I could get fired for saying this but I'm a Christian could I pray for you and there's me angry evolutionist Danielle surrounded by like mighty Christians and I wouldn't let anybody anywhere near me talk even in the name of Jesus and just that one person was brave enough and she prayed with me and that's when it began. Two weeks later, I was at an illegal warehouse party in Belfast and was a little worse for wear. <laughs> and uh, I came back to my friend's house and I drank a lot of vodka and I was really angry and um, I don't really remember it, but I trashed her house. And the next day, she said, you know, Danielle, you really scare me. I don't know who you are anymore. And my mom picked me up and uh, I was like this hungover mess, you know. And uh, I was standing at the back door and my mom's hanging like the clothes and the clothes horse, you know, totally ordinary situation. Smoking my rollie right down to the butt and it's burning my hands and Mom's like, you know, Danielle, <laughs> God has the power to break the strongholds of fear in your life. If you just let me pray with you, God will take it all away. And I'm like, Mommy, seriously, give over. You know, we're having this full on confrontation. And uh, something in me snapped and I just seen red. And I launched at my mum. I was going to kill her. There was something wrong and I couldn't control it. I took two steps and I fell on my knees. I threw my hands up in the air and I screamed, Mom, Mom, I need help. I need help. I don't care what it takes, Mommy, if you think, if you think Jesus can help me, Mommy, I don't care what it takes. I need help. I need help. Please help me, Mommy. Please help me. And she took me into the prayer room. We have a prayer room. <laughs> That's how Christian my family are. <laughs> and uh, I got on my knees and uh, said the sinner's prayer. And, and I got up frantically and, and on my laptop, as you do as a Christian in the 21st century on YouTube, just typed in Jesus. Like, and then a song called Rooftops came up by Jesus Culture. And I'd never heard it before in my life. Like, never even heard of the band. And uh, somehow I knew every single word, every single word and it became the prayer of my heart. And all that I am, I give into your loving hands and I'm yours and I fully repented. And that wishy feeling, whoosh, the Holy Spirit. And I've never been the same.
I was 22 years old, I was completely crippled. And every day I would just lie, it's all I could do, like, just lie in the, the prayer room on the floor crying, God, please. <laughs> what am I gonna do with my life? I'm crippled. And I can't use my degree. I don't believe in my degree. I don't believe in what I was taught. I, I don't accept it. It's a lie, it's not. You created the world, God, what am I gonna do? And then one day, I had been to Belfast to buy a card for somebody and uh, <laughs> I got really irate because I couldn't find anything that I liked and got a bad attitude on the way home in the car, like ranting and raving to God, like, Lord, how am I supposed to encourage this 18 year old girl with a card, with a photograph of an old Anglican church with calligraphy in it? I mean, come on, Lord, you know the way you do. I went into the prayer room and I was repenting. Lord, forgive me, you're still using the people who make these cards. Lord, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Bless them, Lord, bless them, Lord. Forgive my bad attitude. And it was in this place of repentance that I had a life-changing encounter with God that changed everything. And I seen this vision. And in this vision, I seen a, a barren and dry wasteland with loads of cracked mud. And I watched these cards fall from the sky. And as they fell onto the ground, they started producing life. And the Lord said to me, Danielle, I want you to start a Christian card company and I want you to call it Mana Cards. For they will be cards of encouragement for periods of wilderness that you would use my word, the manna, the bread of life, to feed and encourage and sustain my church and my people and equip the saints to rebuild the church in our brokenness. And then that August, I was at a concert, like a music festival called Open Skies, and I was sitting in my little fold-up chair with my crutches and my supports. And this lady comes over and she's like, hey, sweetie, she's American, hey, sweetie, can I pray for you? And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever, let's go, you know? And she says, are you feeling anything? And I was like, no, sure, it's okay. God must be developing my character through suffering. And she looked at me like I was daft, you know, one of those, what? <laughs> and she said, sweetie, God loves your character. Well, loving father would give his child a disease and cripple them to develop their character. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. And it was just like the, the lights came on and I just like, whoa, God, I'm believing a lie. And I repented and the voice of the Lord said to me then, well, he said, woman, <laughs> thou art loose from thine disability, run. And I ran, no, I could barely walk, right? I could barely walk. I ran out of that tent and I ran around the field three times, screaming my head off, right? I mean, think drama, then think 10 times more drama. This is what it was like, you know? I ran round that field three times, screaming, ripping off my supports, throwing down my crutches, my sister, everyone running after me, like, I'm like, oh my word, you've healed me, I'm healed, I'm healed, there's no pain in my body, I'm screaming, like, 
But a month later, uh, I went to my rheumatologist in the hospital and I was like, I know you're gonna think I'm crazy, but uh, someone prayed for me and Jesus has taken my diseases away. And I, um, I honor the fact that God has given us medicine and doctors. And so I have still been taking the medication, um, but I want you to tell me how to come off it now. And you know, she wasn't as surprised as what I thought she was gonna be. I um, must happen more than we think. And yeah, so she gave me her business card and she was like, you know, if you ever have trouble, you know, kind of thinking uh, if it comes back, you know, maybe you're just having a good month, uh, give us a ring. And so it was like a private joke with me and my mom, my sister, we kept it on the fridge, you know, <laughs> just to be like, yeah, okay. <laughs> That was uh, 2014, so uh, three years ago. And I'm fantastic, like, you know, and lost like three stone, got my mobility back, like, just loving life. And then the adventure of mana cards began. <laughs> we got the first cards printed. I started exhibiting and uh, I just loved it. I loved it. We started with eight stockists and as of last week, we have 54. When God calls you to something, he equips you for it, you know? And my only business plan was from Proverbs 18, 16, like this necklace here. A man's gift makes a room for him and brings him before great man. And when you operate in that gift, the gift that God has given you, it creates this room of opportunity and God brings the right people, those great men before you that opens up that door of opportunity to the next place and the next place. And God has done that faithfully every single time. Doing business with God is like the greatest adventure of my life. And I never in a million years would have chosen this, but I'm having the time of my life and I wouldn't change a single thing. <laughs> Come on, let's give God some praise, shall we? Wasn't that just wonderful? Absolutely wonderful. That's probably the longest testimony, but I've got an Irish grandfather, so I sympathize. But absolutely worth it. Um, in fact, we have mana cards here. In fact, there's 12, and I'm going to invite 12 people at the end to come and take a card because this is a note from Danielle. She said, thank you so much for encouraging me with your words. I've put in 12 cards to write to 12 people to tell them about Jesus. So if you have anyone that's in that place that needs encouragement, please take a free card from Danielle and hand it out. And it says, we've handwritten all of ours in church. We did a 250 card outreach to our state and it was powerful. Get your congregation to pray and seek God for the words and then bless someone and change their life. Okay, so 12 people, please do that. Take a card, bless them and let's see that uh, blessing passed on. So I'm my... my talk today is called No Limit, and I'm going to split this into two because we've had a longer testimony. And um, Tim, if you could give me the wee gadget, please, for changing the slides, that'd be helpful. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to do this over two weeks, so I'm going to keep it shorter, and uh, we still aim to finish by half twelve. Okay. No Limit. Studies on self-control have boomed in, a, in the past de two decades. And self-control really is a good thing, a desirable thing for all of us. In fact, there's been quite a lot of research on self-control. Thank you so much. Um, for example, people with more self-control, they live longer, 
are happier, get better grades, are less depressed, are more physically active, have lower resting heart rates, have less alcohol abuse, have more stable emotions, are more helpful to others, get better jobs, earn more money, have better manage, uh, marriages, are more faithful in marriage, and sleep better at night. Who wants some of that? That was from a Christian, Christianity Today article on the 21st of April 17 by Bradley Wright, a sociologist at the University of Connecticut, and David Carrion, a neuroscientist at Stanford University. Now, self-control, it regulates our desires and impulses. It involves wanting to do one thing, but choosing to do another. We see a bag of crisps and desire it but we choose the apple instead. That's self-control. We use self-control to regulate what we think, what we do, and even how we express our emotions. Now, willpower is that emotional and mental energy used to exert self-control. Now, Proverbs 25, 28, 25, 28 says this, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. And today we're going to learn as we continue on the theme of grace, how we can regulate and control our desires and impulses so that we can reign in life. We will discover that a Christian receives the Holy Spirit who births in name new and good desires and impulses. But the Christian also has and continues to have the desires and impulses of the flesh. And these are in opposition to each other, as Jill read out in our passage for today. So which one wins? Either the desires of the flesh win, if we choose to live in the flesh, or the desires of the Spirit win, if we learn to live and walk in the Spirit. So here's what happens when we don't live or walk in the Spirit. If we don't walk in the Spirit, there'll be, no, no Spirit, we'll reach for the sky. Every valley too deep, every mountain too high. No, no Spirit, we'll give up the fight. We'll do what we want and we do it with pride. That's right, absolutely. Well done, Fez. Come on, Fez Thompson. So that's what happens when we're walking in the flesh with no spirit. Galatians 5.18, but you are led by the spirit, if you are led by the spirit, if, big if, you are not under the law. So the spirit and grace go hand in hand. That's why we're continuing on the theme of grace. The spirit and grace go hand in hand. In fact, there are two ways to live, under the law or under grace. First blank on your sheet, I think it is. Under grace. You can live under the law or under grace. And to you live your life under the law, you're trying in human effort to be as good as you can. You're trying to please God by obeying as much as you know to be right and good and all the commands that you think that will please God, and you're doing it in your human strength. And living under the law does not work. Anybody testify to that? Anybody say amen? We cannot transform ourselves, can we? We try hard. We cannot transform ourselves internally, which is where the change needs to happen, to be better people. We cannot as much as we try. 
Because we are not the master sculptor. We learned a few weeks back that who is the, ho- who is the master sculptor? Come on, Fizz, don't let me down. Fizz, who's the master sculptor? Absolutely, God via the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. The Holy Spirit is the master sculptor. And he is in the business of transformation. We've been learning about grace, how grace is God's undeserved or unmerited favor. And we have discussed that we are saved by grace. We are justified, which we talked about last week, which means our sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. We're filled and receive a cloak of righteousness, or we're filled with the righteousness of Christ. We're made into uh, a right relationship with God. That's what justified means. We're made right with God by grace. And we must continue to stand in grace every single day of our lives. To live under grace, you need to learn how to walk by the Spirit on your sheets. This is how you can change. And this is how, as Christians, we can become better. And this is how you can move from having your mind controlled by the flesh to having your mind controlled by the Spirit. And that's the way to transformation, to overcoming our weaknesses and our failures, is to learn not to live by the impulses of the flesh, that's the human nature, but by the impulse by the impulse of the Spirit. What did Galatians 5.16 say? My counsel is this. This is in the message translation. I love this. Live freely, animated, and motivated by God's Spirit. Then you won't feel the, feed the compulsions of selfishness. Or the New Living Translation says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. But how on earth do you do that? What does that look like and what does it mean? How do you let the Holy Spirit guide your life? How on earth do we live motivated by God's Spirit? And how do you walk by the Spirit? And what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? And I was trying to get my, get my head around this at 3 a.m. this morning after Levi woke me up for more of his milk. And I couldn't get to sleep for thinking about walking by the Spirit and trying to think of good analogies. And so I've decided to split over two weeks. Um, and I'm going on holiday soon, so it'll be a wee gap before we get fully into this. So hopefully you're not too frustrated. We'll not get down to the bottom uh, today of what it fully means to walk in the Spirit, but we'll certainly uh, make an attempt at starting. Okay. Now, if we were to come up with a list of rules or a formula for how we live or walk in the Spirit, we would just be back into the law again. (laughs) So we can't come up with a list of laws or rules how to walk in the Spirit. Because the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is a person. And therefore, we need to learn to relate to the Holy Spirit, to live in relationship with the Holy Spirit, to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to hear the Holy Spirit, to learn to discern the Holy Spirit's promptings, to learn to discern the nudging of the Holy Spirit, and to learn to be guided by the Holy Spirit, and to learn to live in the guidance of the Holy Spirit. It's about relationship with the Holy Spirit. John 3 verse 8 says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Because 
if you're guided by the Spirit. He may lead you and guide you to places you never planned. But those who are born of the Spirit or born again learn to hear and follow the Spirit. You see, for someone who is not a Christian, let's call them natural man, okay? Natural man. He or she has a soul, and they can think with their mind, they can feel with their emotions, and they can choose with their will on your sheet, will. And in the natural man, the mind is directed by the flesh, and the mind then affects the emotions and choices. Let me say that again. The natural man, the mind is directed by the flesh. I'll explain in a second what I mean by flesh. And then the mind affects the emotions, how they're feeling. And how they're feeling, the emotions affect the choices. The natural person lives life in the flesh. Now, flesh is the old, ordinary human nature that does not delight in the things of God. Okay? It does, there's the key. The flesh does not delight in God. It does not delight in pleasing God, and doing the right thing to please God is not the priority of the flesh. The flesh prefers to get satisfaction from independence, power, prestige, and worldly pleasures. So when the choices are made guided by the flesh, the priority is not pleasing God. The priority is me, my power, my independence, how I look, and how I feel, making me feel better. The mind is controlled by what the senses of the flesh desire. So our senses, what we see, what we smell, what we feel, what we sense, controls the mind. And because the natural person is separate from God and does not worship God, God is not a priority in their life, so pleasing God is not in the equation. They do as they please, and of course they're not concerned to please God. That's not in the equation. So the natural person can make good choices. Of course they can, and many do make good choices. Resist impulses and desires, and many can develop healthy habits. But the motive behind that is not necessarily to please God or to love God. Now, the natural person can think, feel, and choose, but their mind and therefore their emotions and will are directed by the flesh on your sheet, flesh. So here's an example. Here's an example. Someone being directed by the flesh. And it's oversimplified, but it's oversimplified for a reason so that we can just get a basic picture, okay? So John's at work. He hears Sam talking behind his back saying he's a lazy so-and-so and a good-for-nothing. And John, he's hurt. He's offended because he thought Sam was a friend. So John's mind starts to race, and all sorts of questions start to go through his mind. In fact, for the two, next two hours, he cannot get this comment out of his head. It's driving him crazy. His mind starts to go on override, telling himself, that's it. I'm never going to speak to her again. She's no longer a friend. And if she wants to play it that way, fine, 
fine. Two can play it that way, all right. And his emotions are, are really involved now. In fact, his heart is racing, is pumping. The adrenaline is going. His face is flushed. He feels the emotions of hurt and betrayal and anger. His thoughts and emotions now begin to determine his choices. So he chooses. What does he do? He ignores Sam all day, of course. He is called towards her and the others that she has spoken to for not sticking up for him. He storms about angrily, banging as he puts things away, and all the staff know something is wrong. John lets this go on for a whole week without saying anything. He's not sleeping well, so is more tired. He's starting to feel more anxious and stressed because of the tiredness, and he gives in to opening that bottle of wine again each evening to help him relax. Now, this is a very oversimplified version, and it may seem ridiculous, but how many know that's not ridiculous? <laughs> Unfortunately, this is the world that we live in, and how many have uh, seen adults acting like children? Yeah, yeah, you've seen it in others, but not in yourself, of course. No, 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 no. We never act like that. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how childish we can be? Yeah. Now, because of this walk according to the flesh, the deeds of the flesh, sorry, I've missed, I've missed a bit. Um, yeah. Because of this walk according to the flesh, the deeds of the flesh follow, which Jill spoke out when she talked about the deeds of the flesh in Galatians chapter 5. And they're ugly. It's an ugly list, isn't it? It's not nice. It's very unpleasant. And unfortunately, that's um, the results in our lives when we are walking according to the flesh. They're not far off. Now, the natural person's actions, their reactions, their habits, their memories, and responses are all governed by the flesh. And the natural person cannot help but struggle with feelings of inferiority, insecurity, inadequacy, guilt, worry, a person is born again, and we receive God's Holy Spirit, which unites with the person's spirit. This begins a process of transformation. The person becomes a spiritual person. So this natural man now becomes a, a spiritual person because God's Spirit is now alive. And the new birth is the coming into our life of the Holy Spirit to create a whole new range of impulses, a whole new range of desires. The Holy Spirit produces a whole new range of loves and longings which please God because the Holy Spirit is God, therefore his desires and longings is to please God because he is God. So, the person is made right with God it's a free gift, as we talked about last week, by grace, which means their sins are forgiven. They receive the perfect righteousness and standing uh, before God. They receive God's Spirit, the Spirit of sonship or adoption, and they're adopted into God's family. And the major change now is that the mind, emotions, and will no longer need to be directed by the person's flesh. They no longer need to be that's not to say they necessarily won't be, but they no longer need to be directed by their flesh, but can be directed by the Holy Spirit. And this person can now be motivated and directed, 
word uh, on your sheet, motivated. This person can now be motivated and directed by the Spirit instead of the flesh. And one of the most important things that happens is a renewed mind, which is essential for transformation. Because previously the mind was directed by the desires of the flesh, but the spiritual person's mind can now be directed or controlled by the Spirit. And that's why Romans 12 says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Now the spiritual person if they are directed by the Spirit, this is the ideal, has emotions of peace and joy. That's if we are led by the Spirit. The spiritual person has freedom and power to choose not to walk according to the desires of the flesh, but to walk according to the Spirit. And in my next talk, I'm going to get into that a bit more. I just want to open the can today, if you like, and just get into the, uh, but we're really going to try and uh, get down into really what does that mean? What does it look like practically? How do we walk by the Spirit and live in the Spirit? Because we have the freedom to walk, not according to the desires of the flesh, but to walk according to the Spirit. And as the spiritual person starts to exercise his choice to walk in the Spirit or to live in the Spirit, guess what? As we walk in the Spirit, we start to see evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. And if we look at the two lists in Galatians 5, and we say to them, which list is a more accurate description of the products in my life at the moment? It gives us an idea if we're walking more in the Spirit or more in the flesh. So we look at those two lists in Galatians 5. Is my life characterized by love? Generally, of course, there's ups and downs, but generally speaking, is there love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control at work in my life because that's the fruit of those who live and walk according to the Spirit? Or is there all sorts of ugly things that are more characteristic without the, the fruit because the fruit reveals how uh, we are walking. The master sculptor is at work inside of the spiritual person. I'm going to finish on John's example this time as a spiritual person because John became a Christian, by the way. Um, and he went through some basics and he learned to uh, receive the Holy Spirit and to hear the Holy Spirit. So John, this time, he... Um, this is in another scenario. We're comparing John without the Spirit and John with the Spirit, okay? He's at work. And here's Sam talking about his back, saying he's a good, lazy, for, lazy good for nothing. He's hurt and he's offended because he thought that Sam was a friend. So his mind starts to race and all sorts of questions start to go through his mind. He feels he doesn't want to talk to Sam again and, he, and she does deserve the cold treatment for this. His heart is racing, his face is flushed. Notice they're very similar to um, uh, before he was a Christian. He feels the emotions of heart betrayal and anger. His thoughts and emotions are trying to control his choices. And he feels like not speaking to Sam for a while. But there's a still, small inner voice. It's a very gentle thought that won't leave him. And it just comes to him and it says, just speak to Sam and tell her that you're hurt. John recognized and he's learned to recognize that this quiet, still, small voice is the small inner voice of the Holy Spirit that he has learned to recognize. 
He has learned that his flesh wants him to ignore that voice, and he doesn't want doesn't want him to speak to Sam, but John has learned what it means to kill or to crucify the flesh. So he chooses not to listen to his flesh, but the still small voice of the spirit. Let's have the band back up, please. He takes deep breaths and tries to calm down. He says a short prayer. Father, thank you for forgiving me when I offended you. Thank you for loving me when I didn't deserve it. I choose to forgive Sam for this, and I ask you to give me strength and power to deal with this situation with wisdom and grace. Help me to calm down. Help me to not be so offended, and help me to speak calmly in Jesus' name. Amen. So John asks Sam for a quiet word through the back, and he tells Sam what he's heard her say, and he tells her how hurt and offended he was. And Sam bursts into laughter, and John's offended all the more. How could she laugh at such a time as this? Sam then says, John, I'm so sorry that you took this personally, but I wasn't talking about you. I was talking about John, our delivery driver. I tell him to his face all the time he's a lazy so-and-so, and and he knows it, and he readily admits it. I'm so sorry, John, but honestly, this was not about you. John feels rather silly and embarrassed, but bursts out laughing himself. They end up going for a staff bite to eat after work and have a good laugh about it. And John returns to peace and glad he got it off his chest. And here's an example of a mind, emotions, and choices being determined or directed by the Spirit. It's oversimplified, yeah? But you get what I'm trying to point to here? An important thing to understand is this. The flesh always defaults to living without God. And it's still present in the Christian and the spiritual person. And therefore, the spiritual person needs to learn to deny, to crucify, or to kill the desires of the flesh. And if we want victory over darkness, if we're wanting peace and to reign in life, this is an essential thing, a basic part of being a disciple of Jesus, to take up our cross daily and deny self, to deny the flesh, to deny the desires and the impulses of the sinful nature. And we, we know that this sounds very well, but experience is one of constant struggle, isn't it? For spiritual people, we find our minds still dwell on wrong things. And sometimes we give in to the desires of the flesh and end up getting angry, acting selfishly and hurting others. Sometimes we entertain the desires of the flesh, listen to them, and walk in them rather than kill them off. But the description of a spiritual person is the ideal. That's the picture of Jesus. It's the picture of how God wants our life. It's the model of maturity that we want to grow to become more like. But really, the reality is most of us live somewhere in the middle between fleshly behavior and spiritual maturity. So Paul said in Galatians, I say live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And we want to unpack that more. We want to unpack to live by grace, to stand in grace. For those who are led by the Spirit are not under law. We're in relationship. It's not about law. It's desires. 
it's our desires. And that was a new covenant they promised in Jeremiah and Ezekiel. This is a new covenant I will make with them. I'll put my laws in their hearts, i.e. we desire. And we need to feed the Spirit. We need to feed the Spirit. We need to learn self-control. We need to learn to control the impulses and the desires and to uh, deny the wrong desires and impulses. Let's stand to our feet, shall we? We're going to pray. We're going to finish with a song of worship. Lord Jesus, we love you. Jesus, you were the model of perfect peace in every trial and circumstance. You are the model human life that we want to become like. And you gave us your spirit, God, and our prayer, Father, is that you would teach us, Lord, not to walk according to the flesh, but to live and walk in the spirit. To be sensitive to your Holy Spirit, to grow in relationship with the Holy Spirit, to depend on the Holy Spirit, to be guided by the Holy Spirit. Because your Holy Spirit will always give me desires of love for God and love for people. Love for God and love for people. Love for God and love for people. Because all of the Lords are summed up in those two commands. And as we are spiritual people and as we grow in the Spirit, our love for you will grow and our love for people will grow. And love does not keep a record of wrongs, so we'll forgive wrongs. Love is patient and we'll be patient. Love is kind and we'll be kind. So Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come and empower us and that you would teach us, Lord, what it means to live in the Spirit. Because when we're living in the Spirit, we're not under law. We're not under condemnation. We're walking by grace in your Spirit. Today, I want to give you an opportunity if you do not know Jesus Christ if you're not a Christian today the father sent his son to die on the cross so that we may have our sins forgiven and so that we can come into his family and walk a new relationship with with him and I want to give you that opportunity today before we finish with our last song maybe today you know like that girl's story there's something missing that's because you were created in his image to live with him in relationship with him and he's been pursuing you your whole life and drawing you and until you find relationship with him you'll never be satisfied or fully fulfilled because you were designed to walk in relationship with your father receive him today congregation please help me repeat after me dear Lord Jesus thank you for dying on the cross and taking my punishment I ask you to forgive me for all my wrongdoing, for not worshiping you and putting myself first. Please forgive me now and please give me new life and give me your Holy Spirit. And I receive your spirit and your adoption as your child in Jesus' name. Say that prayer for the first time today. You want to rededicate? Just put your hand up nice and high so I can see. Got a, a, a bag to give you at the end. Anybody say that prayer for the first time today? Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Okay. We have a gold bag to give you. If you at the end, if you could just come up and receive this gold bag. 
just want to pray pray for that person now lord that's come into your kingdom lord jesus surround them with your love flood them with your love right now flood them with your beautiful presence and let them know how deep the father's love is for them lord jesus as they start this exciting new journey thank you your promise we confess our sins we are forgiven our guilt is gone we're adopted and we're your child so may they receive a touch of your love right now in jesus name thank you at the end just come and get this gold bag or i got a friend to do it for you and give you some instructions let's finish in worship party and then just send us to the cafe to eat 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 god bless you guys have a wonderful week this